Today, we're going to be talking about using direct neurofeedback for addiction recovery treatment. Now, I brought in Dan Kelko, who is very experienced at using direct neurofeedback, and he's going to talk to us about what it is, how it works, how long it takes, just all of the questions that I personally have as a woman who's in recovery. So with that, let's welcome Dan. Welcome, Dan. We haven't done one of these in a while, and you know that I'm a sober woman, so I am super excited about this. And this is how can direct neurofeedback help with addiction treatment? So I want to start first because I had a lot of questions about, well, neurofeedback and then there's direct neurofeedback. So what's the difference between the two? Yeah, thanks. So that's a big question that we get asked. Um, And there's a lot of stuff that came out of like the 70s and the 80s and into the 90s about neurofeedback and and direct neurofeedback is much newer. So it's kind of, I like to describe it as the evolution of neurofeedback. So uh, there's biofeedback, neurofeedback and direct neurofeedback. The main difference between neurofeedback and direct neurofeedback is that neurofeedback is an active process. So neurofeedback, you're retraining your brain. So it often involves um, a screen, or some sort of visual stimuli, and you're trying to adapt your brain waves to a certain set of parameters, and what you're seeing on the screen is helping you do that. So it's like a back and forth. So you see something, it gives you a reward when your brain wave matches a certain pattern, and then when it gets out of there, you get a a different, like a stoplight, like it goes from green to yellow and red. And so when it's red, it's not good, and then when you're thinking or you've got that brain wave pattern that it likes, it'll give you a green light, like that kind of kind of reward. Direct neurofeedback is very passive and it's it's kind of almost about untraining or detraining the brain. So what direct neurofeedback is doing is trying to interrupt maladaptive thought patterns. And that's really important because over time we develop these patterns just based off of our normal adaptive life. So our brain goes, how do I do something better? How do I do it more efficiently? Maybe not better. Better is a bad word. How do I do it more efficiently? How do I get from point A to B more efficiently, where A is the thought and B is the outcome? And our brain will do that much more efficiently. Um, And one one of the things that direct neurofeedback does is it kind kind of disrupts that a little bit. And it's kind of like resetting a computer or resetting your phone when it's been bogged down after a while and and the RAM gets full and the ROM gets full and it starts to starts to slow down because it's the brain that that processing power is being utilized for so many things. Then neurofeedback kind of goes in and very gently disrupts that. And when it resets, it kind of resets to factory baseline, if you will. Right. And and so those patterns that were laid down earlier get to come back. And what people notice is that those Baseline patterns are the ones that give them more relief from things like anxiety, from depressive symptoms, improved sleep, better cognition, sometimes even improved visual focus, smells come back, pain goes down. There's a lot of different things that it can do when you gently disrupt whatever the norm has become for people. Okay. I think you basically answered my question about how does direct neurofeedback work? Because I first heard about it with a friend of mine who um, was getting it done for addiction and depression and said something about it. It just made no sense to me. And my first question was, Ooh, does that hurt? Like, how does this work? Yeah. So it doesn't hurt. um, And I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but I've done hundreds of these on people and our clinic and at Nomina, we do them at all of our clinics all across Canada. 
We have direct neurofeedback trained practitioners and there's been no reports of pain with it. It's, it, I like to describe it to clients as if you were to hold a AAA battery to your forehead, that's how much, there's actually more uh, electrical energy going from the electromagnetic field of the battery into your brain than this puts into your brain. So it's minuscule, very, very tiny amounts of energy going. And it's just enough to disrupt it a little bit because we're talking like millivolts, right? Like very small amounts of voltage. And all it takes is a little bit to disrupt it. And what a lot of clients notice, well, a lot of clients actually don't notice anything when it's happening. And we have a talk about the weather or the local sports team or whatever. Like it's very passive. It's one of the things that people really like about it. And the system with the software that's been written is doing everything in the background. Sometimes people notice um, a little bit of um, increased energy. Um, so we, we say tired, wired, spacey uh, are often um, kind of examples of it having an effect on you. These are some of the side effects that you can have afterwards, which are very temporary. Um, and for most people, they notice an increased sense of calm or they notice uh, this relaxation feeling that kind of washes over them or they get really kind of in a like a Zen-like place. And that's just it doing the thing in the background. And what we know is we have to activate anxiety, right? Activate gets, uh, anxiety is activated and that's our body's self-defense mechanism, right? So our amygdala in, con in concert with our brain finds something that causes us anxiety because it thinks of it as a threat. We need to downregulate from that in order to go back to our kind of natural state, which is the rest and digest. That's where we want to be. And neuro direct neurofeedback really helps kind of remind that activated part of the brain to go, you probably don't need to be activated anymore, right? You're sitting in an office with a clinician, it's safe, it's calm, it's nice. And we can go back into that rest and digest phase, which is so important for healing and growth and recharge. And that's where people, a lot of people find that that relief almost immediately. Okay. Well, that, that actually sounds quite lovely, but how <laughs> does it work uh, for addiction treatment? Yeah. So we often... Uh, we never use neurofeedback as a sole source. We always like to layer it in with different things. And so at our inpatient in Amina, we include it for a lot of the disorders that we treat. Uh, when we see uh, patients in outpatient in our offices, it's almost always layered with psychotherapy. So it's not a panacea, but it is definitely a tool that we can add to it. So to answer your question, one of the things that we notice about people that suffer from substance use disorders like alcoholism or drug addiction is that there's a ton of anxiety in their bodies. And one of the things that the subconscious is really trying to do, and it's doing its best, is trying to regulate all of those emotions and anxiety that's happening kind of underneath the surface. And what a lot of people report is when they use substances that they, they can finally relax or they don't have to think about that horrible thing that happened to them. It's really about triggering that rest and digest phase, which a lot of people that suffer from substance use can't do because their brain's just kind of, kind of stuck in it. And what the neurofeedback, the direct neurofeedback or DNF as we like to call it, what the DNF does is it allows them to bring down that level a little bit. And what we notice is that when people bring down that level a little bit, that desire to self-soothe with external factors like behavioral addictions or substance uses reduces. It doesn't go away, right? It's not, again, this magic cure, but layered in with psychotherapy, it can really help the therapist get deep into what the triggers are underneath all of those symptoms that they have. 
And it's very common for for uh, people that suffer from substance use disorders to have comor comorbidity and anxiety or depression. Comorbidity just means at the same time. Um, so they so people will suffer from addiction and they'll also have anxiety or they'll also have depression or they'll also have chronic pain or they also have something else that's in, in the background. It's very, very common. And okay. the neurofeedback can really help bring it all down because as a package, then we're able to kind of do the psychotherapeutic work that we need to in order to restructure whatever it is that's triggering the that subconscious desire or need to self-soothe using substance. That makes a lot of sense. I know I've always remembered my doctor saying to me that you're up here, we need to bring you down here. Now he wanted to use medication for that. And I, of course, I, mm -hmm. I mean, I was trying to get sober, so no, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and instead I, I did uh, breath work, a lot of somatic work to try and get down to that place. So then, then the work could start. So um, when I first heard about direct neurofeedback, I thought, oh, that was exciting. I wish, I wish I would have done that. It's a really great non-pharmaceutically oriented treatment for being able to regulate things like anxiety and depression or those types of symptoms. Um, and a lot of people really appreciate it because they don't have to do anything, right? They don't have to like sit and get deep into their trauma or deep into whatever it is. They can just sit there with the technician or the clinician and Talk about the weather, talk about their kids, talk about their plans for the day. It happens in the background. And that's really nice for somebody who's doing a lot of work on themselves because breath work and yoga and therapy and all of these things are very active and they require a, a large output of physical and mental, even emotional energy, where sometimes it's just nice to sit in a chair and not have to think about it and have your brain do the reset in the background. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me in the beginning, I just, I just needed to bring it down. Uh, and I wasn't ready to get into any of the other stuff. So, so I, that's where it would have been nice for me. I could have just done that chilled out. And then when I was ready, get into the hard stuff. And that's where uh, even pharmaceuticals can be helpful, right? We, there's a, there's a term that's thrown around in, in the counseling and the therapy and the social work world called biopsychosocial. I'm sure you've heard it before, but it's all about the biological, the psychological and the social elements that go into well-being. And if you're here and you can't hold a conversation with somebody, bringing it down is really important because it doesn't matter who you are. If you're reacting so much to your external environment that you can't maintain focus, therapy is not going to help you, right? Talk therapy it's going to be very, very difficult if you're always like bubbling at the top to the point where you're almost uh, unable to follow a sentence. So bringing it down however you need to, whether it's pharmaceuticals, whether it's breathwork, yoga, neurofeedback is very important because then the prefrontal cortex turns back online and then you can have a conversation with a person about all of those things. And that's where that restructuring happens. But it's really hard to do when you're either very up here or very down here. Right. There's a there's an ideal level of arousal and that's like uh, mental arousal that you want to be at in order to have a conversation. If it's too high, you get your hyper aroused. And if you're too low, it's hypo aroused. And both of those make it very difficult for the prefrontal cortex to understand the words that are coming in, because understanding is really important for that restructuring to happen. Okay. So yeah. about how many sessions does it take and how long does it last? Yeah, that's a good question. So one of the things that we have is we've, uh, in concert with one of the developers, Dr. David Dubin, of the neurofeedback system that we use, uh, Nomina, 
we've created kind of a standard protocol. Uh, and this has been shown through the evidence that he's collected to be kind of the template, and then you vary from the template. So it starts off with two sessions a week. So let me back up a little bit more. It starts off with an initial session where you sit with the clinician and you go through a deep history, right? Neurological history, psychological, um, physical, all of the things that impact the brain. And, and basically the reason why you're seeking neurofeedback or why we think it might be important for you to, to do that direct neurofeedback. That session usually lasts about an hour because it's a lot of talk and a lot of response, challenge response kind of stuff. And then we apply it for the first time. Um, the protocol then is twice a week for the first five weeks. And we find that that really helps reset that baseline because the brain wants to go back to what it's used to, right? We have this term called neuroplasticity. It can work for us or it can work against us. Neuroplasticity means we're able to learn, but at some point the brain learned that the thing that's being maladaptive is the norm. So we want to unlearn that and then relearn the relaxed part. And so the first um, five weeks, it's twice a week, and there's an interval of between three and four days between the sessions. And then after that, we recommend once a week for five weeks. And then after that, it's really up to the client to figure out if they're happy with the improvements that they've had. And we track these things regularly and we'll see improvements of things like 10 out of 10, 10 being really bad levels of anxiety or difficulty sleeping or difficulty focusing. And they'll come down quite dramatically usually in the first few sessions. And they usually bottom out and it rarely ever gets to zero a lot of clients do get certain things down to zero but reducing it to a point that's manageable with other elements like activities and yoga and breath work is really important for a lot of people because then they feel like they can they get control of their life back so that it's a 10-week protocol right like i said two times a week for the first five weeks once a week for the next five weeks and oftentimes that's enough uh it'll last between two years and a lifetime, right? And it all depends on what kind of um, things the person is bringing into the neurofeedback and what they're doing outside of the neurofeedback to help support themselves. I have clients who have done eight sessions, or uh, sorry, eight weeks, and I've never seen them again. I have clients that I've done this, uh, the standard protocol on, and they come back after two years and they go, hey, I could use a top, like a tune-up, we call it a tune-up. Um, and you do one or two weeks of session and then you never see them again. So it's one of those things where it can add lasting change. It can make really positive um, strides towards balancing people out. And again, it all depends on what they're doing in the background, right? We find a lot of people, when they start to do neurofeedback, they get a little bit more energy or a little bit more focus. And they start going back to the gym or they join a club or they connect with their partner more or they do something to give back to the community. And we know all of those things help support mental well-being. And what's kind of the point of that is that when we reduce that level of anxiety or improve those depressive symptoms or reduce their pain or improve the focus, they have the capacity to be able to do those things. And so they make wholesale changes. Yeah. And all those things are so important in terms of addiction recovery. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we see, and that's one of the things that we um, really focus on and harp on in our programs is what are all the different elements of your life that you're going to change to not fall back into those patterns? Because those patterns are 
like I like to make the analogy of like a, a path through a field, right? A grass field is that your previous life and all of your brainwave patterns are like a path that's been walked through a field multiple times. It gets trodden down. It becomes a dirt path. We're asking you to go down a different path. We need to encourage that new path to happen. Right? I don't know if you've ever driven in Winnipeg in the winter, but the ruts get really deep. It's really hard to get out of them. Right? Once you get out of them, you don't want to get back into them because now you have control. And that's the same thing that we want to do with this. And the neurofeedback really helps kind of discourage that first path, right? It, we put, I don't know, we, we put seeds back on the path and we, we put fertilizer on it so the grass can grow so that our brain doesn't automatically want to go down that path. We want to trot a new path that leads to more healthy and more adaptive outcomes. Yeah, that neuroplasticity. Actually, I'll yeah. throw up a video after this that we did on the neurobiology of addiction. And uh, I'm going to link all of your contact information in the description too, yeah. if anyone's interested in in learning more or, or having a direct neurofeedback session with you. Yeah, and it would be one of the things that they can, they can contact us. Uh, I'm currently operating at the Winnipeg Clinic, but we have clinicians in in St. Catharines and in uh, in Comox on Vancouver Island that also do the direct neurofeedback um, that they can contact with. And uh, we all got the same training from Dr. Dubin. Uh, so it's a standard that you can find at every office and we all know kind of what we're doing and we were trained by the guru himself. So um, I would highly recommend it. And it's one of those things that you know it it's working I would say 85% of people know it's working after the first session. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that number goes to upwards of 90% after the second session. So if after two sessions, you might not be noticing anything, maybe it's not for you, right? It's not for everybody. Not every treatment works for everybody. That's the same in medicine. That's the same in pharmaceuticals. It's the same in everything. But I would say if you do two, three sessions and you're not really noticing anything, have a conversation about it with your technician or your clinician and see if there's anything that they can do. Because one of the great things about the neurofeedback is highly customizable. We don't just push a button and it runs a protocol. We can, but we can change the, the different frequencies of the stims. We can change the number of the stims. We can just change the duration. We can, there's four different protocols we can run. So there's a lot of different levels of customizability we can have because everybody has a different brain, right? And everybody's brain reacts differently to the direct neurofeedback. And it, it will often react in a way that you're not expecting. I have a funny story where we have this big football player who comes in and, and um, he's asking for neurofeedback for concussion um, treatment, right? And so we know that direct neurofeedback is really good for uh, traumatic brain injuries, TBIs, or concussions because it really re-helps set that, reset that line so that growth and, and healing can happen. Anyways, big guy, right? Like 300-pound linebacker or, or whatever, I don't football but big guy right and you would think that he was tough right the professional sports player right the, the type of guys that they fracture ribs and then they go back in and play another half right and so you would think that his brain would be really uh, resistant or really like they would be one of those really strong brains that um you don't have to be worried you don't have to be worried about being sensitive about but it turns out that his brain structure was actually very sensitive to, to the neurofeedback. And we had to bring down the protocol because it was um, overwhelming him, right? He was getting some of those side effects that we talked about at the beginning, and he was getting them a lot, right? And so we brought down the stimulation level and we customized it to a much softer um, level 
And that actually was where he saw the most improvement. So just because you're tough doesn't mean that you have a tough brain. And just because you might not think of yourself as tough doesn't mean that your brain's not tough. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's where it's really important to sit with the clinician at the beginning to figure out your brain style and that those first sessions are critical. And that feedback from the client is so critical at us being able to customize the protocol so that you get maximum benefit, but minimum side effects. All right. Anything you want to say in closing, Dan? No, I just want to add, I mentioned side effects a couple of times here. And so one of the things that people are worried about, especially if they've got experience in pharmaceuticals, are strong negative side effects. And with the direct neurofeedback, we can see side effects, but they're always temporary and they're usually very minimal. So like I said, tired, wired, spacey, right? So tired means you want to sleep. And that's really important because that's our adaptive response to healing. When we have surgery, if you've ever had an injury, if you're ever sick, right, our body wants to sleep and our brain also wants to sleep when it's healing. So it could be that the neurofeedback is triggering a healing cycle, right? Tired, there's wired, right? So sometimes it'll amp up the energy and go, wow, look at all the energy that I have access to, right? And it kind of goes over the top here. Spacey is kind of in between where your brain's activated, but you're kind of tired. And so you're kind of like in a spacey um, mindset. And I always like to frame these for clients is that this these are not bad things. These show that your brain is actually receiving a benefit. And I liken it to when you go to the gym and let's say you work out your biceps. Right? You work out your biceps, they're going to be sore, right? You can overdo it to the point where they're so sore you can't lift your arms when you're in the shower to wash your hair. I've done that before, right? Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means that there's been a level of stimulation <laughs> that is maybe a bit too much, right? So the next day you go to the gym, you don't do it as hard, but you still want to make sure that you're getting benefits of increased muscle size or whatever, or increased strength, or whatever it is that you're going for. The brain is the same thing. We want to make sure that we maximize your benefits while we're minimizing your side effects. Um, and they go away within three hours. I've, I've, the, there's a rare time that the side effect lasted more than three hours. Thank you, Dan. I I sure. absolutely love having you on it as a guest. You just are a wealth of information. It's a pleasure.